With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, Raider Nation? Matt Holder with Silver and Black Pride here. I'm back with another Behind the Enemy Lines podcast for this season. And the Raiders are set to open up the season against the opponent we all know well, the Los Angeles Chargers. So I'm super excited to bring our first guest of the year, as he's one of my good friends in this industry, uh, from Sports Illustrated's Charger Report, Nick Cothrell. Nick, how you doing, man? Good, good. Thanks for having me, Matt. It's really cool to be able to do this. You know, like like you said, we're good buddies in the industry, so finally being able to link up and uh, record a podcast together is pretty cool. Awesome. Absolutely, absolutely. Been a long time coming, so I'm glad we finally got this opportunity. But let's get into it. Nick, you've been over there at practice over in uh, Costa Mesa. So just generally speaking, what are your thoughts on the Chargers and the expectations for this season? And the expectations are pretty high, right? Everything that they did this offseason has just pointed kind of towards an all-in approach. And it makes sense with, you know, having Justin Herbert on, on a rookie contract, kind of seizing that opportunity. And really, you know, throughout training camp, um, I would say the offense kind of started out um, a little slow. But I think that's kind of typical for the offense. You know, they're trying to get more of their rhythm and chemistry and their timing down. Um, and then. I would say kind of towards the end of camp, it's been more of a balanced uh, balanced attack on each side. But uh, things are looking pretty good for the team. Definitely. So obviously you're not in the locker room or anything like that, but I'm curious if the the Week 18 loss at the end of last year that obviously cost Chargers the playoffs and let the Raiders get into it, if that's kind of been brought up as any motivation, you know, in, in the season and in this week at all and the, in the uh, within the Chargers. Yeah, so they've actually opened the locker rooms. So uh, we just had our first like open locker room at the team facility um, yesterday, and we've we've had two after the the preseason games. But uh, you know, we'll kind of get more of uh, a steady flow of that as things play out. But I wouldn't say there's really been a whole lot of talk of that um, recently during uh, OTAs. You know, that was kind of the first time that players had met with the media, so there was a little bit more of discussion about that um you know like a little over a month ago but I would say as of late it's that they've kind of put that behind them and it's just kind of been more of you know living in the now so there hasn't really been a whole lot of um at least that I've encountered a whole lot of discussion but I'm sure that's that's still sitting in the back of the minds of a lot of the guys that have returned so I'm gonna put you on the spot a little bit here what's your prediction for the ASC West standings in 2022 (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Matt, as you know, like this division is probably, man, the most talent, I would say the most talented division from top to bottom in recent memory, just the pure talent up and down Definitely. all four teams is, is pretty crazy. I still lean in favor of the Chiefs. I think as long as Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid are, you know, that, that dynamic offensive duo, I'm still riding with them until someone knocks them off. Um, and then I have the Chargers following suit with everything that uh, that they did this this offseason. And, you know, they were a top five offense last year. Now all the, they're going to have six new starters on defense. So, you know, maybe the defense isn't a top five unit like the offense. But even if they're just, you know, middle of the pack, that, that team should be dramatically better 
Um, and then I have the Raiders. I mean, they, they were a team that made the playoffs. And then, you know, you factor in Chandler Jones, Devontae uh, Adams, and the, the, the pieces that they've added. There's a case to be made there that they are a much better team than they were just a year ago. So, um, and then I have the Broncos rounding it out. Really, you can't go wrong. I feel like we're, we're really splitting hairs here. But, uh, yeah, that's kind of the order that I see the AFC West. Yeah, I hear you, man. It, it, it is tough to pick because it's like, man, this is, could be like the the first year, obviously, with the expanded playoffs where it's like there could conceivably be four playoff teams in the AFC West if they don't just all beat up on yeah. each other and like, you know, knock yeah. each other out. But yeah, should be a fun division. Let's move on to more specifics about players. I want to talk. I want to ask you a similar question about Justin Herbert. To a certain extent, I feel like Herbert's uh, is similar to Derek Carr in that they both have viewed as these young, promising quarterbacks at one point in their career with a lot of talent, a lot of tools. But the big knock on them is winning. Justin Herbert, I know it's only been two years, but as a losing record, as a starter, hasn't been in the playoffs. A lot of people kind of say similar stuff about Derek Carr, only had one playoff game or only led to, uh, two playoff um, appearances, and then obviously had the one loss last year. So in your opinion, what are your expectations for Herbert heading into the year, and what's the success look like for him heading into year three? Yeah, I mean, that that's a great point. Like bo- both guys, the, the, the physical traits are are, you know, quite appealing but at the end of the day you got to win and some people say that wins aren't quarterback stat but I mean you know Matt like quarterbacks are judged off for, off of you know are you winning games because if you're not you're you know that your, your feet are kind of getting thrown at the fire so um, I think a successful season at least for the Chargers everything that they've done like they, they got to at least make a run into the playoffs and I you know, it's tough to say, like, they got to go out and win, like, multiple playoff games and reach the Super Bowl because, like, there's so much stuff that can happen. But at the very least, get, like, get into the dance of the playoffs and win a playoff game. I think at the very least that shows some sign of, you know, a positive trajectory, uh, you know, moving forward. So I think that's that's at least the, uh, the bare minimum that the Chargers need to do this season for it to kind of be considered, you know, what would be viewed as a successful season. So focusing more on Justin Herbert's skill set, is there anything positively or negatively that's kind of stood out about him in training camp? Maybe or at something where that somewhere that he's improved or maybe gotten worse at and uh, from previous seasons. Yeah, you know it's kind of hard for me to tell uh, since last year I was covering the Rams and now I'm over. Uh, this is my first year covering the Chargers, so I don't really have quite the reference point. But Justin Herbert said at the beginning of uh, training camp that his big emphasis has just been his footwork, cleaning that up. Uh, just making that you know much more smooth, and you know he he spent a lot of time after practice. It seemed like almost every day he was taking extra reps after each training camp practice. Um, so that's been something that he's been working on. Um, and then I would say I was a little surprised in the amount of interceptions that he was throwing in camp. Um, but I also think, and you know, offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi even spoke about it. Now's the time to kind of figure out you know, just how much leeway you have and kind of test the limits. So I think a little bit, a little bit of that was Justin Herbert, just seeing how far he, you know, he can squeeze in a pass into a tight window. Um, But I mean, I wouldn't say he's looked bad by any measure. You know, he still, he still looks like one of the top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, But yeah, so that's been kind of something that he's been working on is that, is that footwork. And, you know, it it took pretty good to me. (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear. So before we move on, I'm curious about Herbert's leadership, as that was one of the knocks on him coming out of Oregon. 
and that he's not like this outspoken or, you know, raw, raw type of guy. He's kind of the more quiet, more reserved uh, type of player. So I'm curious if you started to notice him come out of his shell and maybe step up as a leader at practice and that stuff. Yeah, you know, I, I still think uh, Herbert, you know, he, he still is a guy that leads by example. He's not the big raw, raw, raw guy um, like some, some of the other quarterbacks. But when he does speak, it, se- it seems like, you know, the message is coming across to his teammates, right? And, you know, what, what he's able to do and, and just, you know, he's still c- commanding the offense. Um, and another thing that has kind of been pointed out from the offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, is like this year, they're doing more like football 202 versus last year was like football one-on-one while the entire offense was, was learning a new system. And now it's like, Justin kind of has more of more of a total command in the offense. And, you know, whether they're lining up some of the new guys like Gerald Everett or DeAndre Carter that they've added this off season. So I would say he still kind of uh, has some of that in him, like, like at Oregon being a quieter guy, but I don't think it's like impeded the offense by any means. You bring up a couple of the offensive weapons, so I kind of want to move on to those guys. And I don't think we need to rehash, you know, the the Keenan Allen, Mike Williams. I think all Raider fans know that those guys are good. But I do want to ask, is there any chance that they've they're maybe lost a step or anything like that, how they looked in practice so far? <laughs> I don't think you could say either one of uh, Keenan Allen or Mike Williams have have lost a step. They both look they both look like really talented receivers. Uh Keenan Allen, especially like he, he's just, he's just always open. <laughs> I mean, he's, he, he, he's known for as for one being one of the better route runners. And really it's like, he's, he doesn't have blazing speed, but he just find ways to get open and, you know, hit the separation that it, he creates is that, that that's his bread and butter. And so I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything different from that. And then just Mike Williams being that big, big physical target, um, yeah, both, both those guys look like uh, they, they they haven't missed a step at all. I tell you, that is not the answer I wanted here, but it is the one I kind of expected. <laughs> so one guy I do want to spend some time on is Joshua Palmer. He was a third round pick out of Tennessee last year and kind of came on later in the season. What does Palmer add to this Chargers offense? Yeah, I think he I think he's a really interesting player because like he he it seemed like when the Chargers drafted him, he kind of kind of fell in the draft, I believe, based on where kind of the the consensus uh, draft experts kind of had him. And then last year, he did some nice things, but it you know his his production was was kind of minimal, um, being being a rookie, you know, kind of being buried on the depth chart a little bit. But uh, he he he's really impressed, you know, during training camp, um, the coaching staff and uh, all all the quarterbacks have really spoken about just how crisp his route running has, has become. Uh, I, I think he's probably, you know, he's, he's bound to have a, a season where he's, he's going to be more impactful, but at the same time, you, you ha- like the chargers just have so many mouths to feed. Like we just talked about Mike Evans, or excuse me, not Mike Evans, Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen and Austin Eckler. And then you add in uh, Gerald Everett. So like there's so many guys to go around. So I think he's going to be a, you know, one of those pieces that's a compliment, but I wouldn't expect him to, you know, be a focal point or, you know, just a, you know, a volume type of guy. So you bring up the next guy I want to talk about, which is Gerald Everett, because the Chargers, they lost a guy, a tight end in Jared Cook, who obviously Raider fans know well. Not that Jared Cook was out there a world beater, but he did have about 50 catches for a little bit more than 550 yards. So I'm curious, how has Everett kind of stepped up and filled in that role? Is that something where the Chargers offense might be downgrading a little bit? 
I think it's probably more more of an upgrade than a downgrade, which is kind of which is kind of crazy to think. Um, Everett's looks like just one of those athletics that's just super one of those tight ends that's just super athletic. Um, he, I think he adds a little more than uh, what Jared Cook did. They're even using um during like eleven on elevens, you know, giving him like some jet sweeps and like just doing like kind of you know out of the box type of stuff. Uh, so I think he adds a little bit of a different dimension, whereas like. Jared Cook, you, you kind of knew what, what you were getting with him, just kind of that old school type of tight end. But, you know, he was more of a, a pass catching type. But uh, Gerald Everett has kind of done a little bit of everything. So, you know, again, he kind of we kind of run into, this, into the same situation. Like we were saying with Josh Palmer, there's so many guys to go around. Uh, but I, I still think at the end of the day, with his skill set, being able to do more things, he's probably going to be, you know, utilized a little more than how the Chargers have used the tight end position the last two years. Yeah, that's interesting. I feel like Everett's always kind of been that guy that's that's a little bit more of a, a physical freak than necessarily a football player where he's had a lot of a lot of the a lot of the measurements, a lot of talent, just hasn't quite put it together to kind of ascend to that next level. And I do remember Seattle using him on a few jet sweeps and and stuff like that, putting yeah. him at the wing. So be uh interested to see how that works out if they had uh, end up deploying that on, on Sunday. So Moving on to running back, I think we all can expect to see just Austin Eckler uh, get involved in the passing game, but I'm more curious about who's going to be the lead guy that actually totes the rock on running plays. Is that going to be Eckler this year? Yeah, I think Eckler's still going to be like their their number one guy. Now, he he has voiced his concerns publicly, like telling, like speaking, kind of sending a message to the running back room, like, hey, I'd love for a guy to to step up and and kind of chat like challenge me for for more carries uh because Eckler you know he he's made it known like last year he was kind of beating the ground a little bit he led to 20 touchdowns which led the NFL he's super productive but he knows like with the team and the expectations that they have and wanting to make a deep run in the playoffs and his legs are gonna need to be fresh (laughs) and you know the NFL is a grind so he's been kind of voicing his concerns um, in, in that matter, but at the same time, like he's probably still going to be a guy that sees maybe you know 15 carries and like four to five receptions a game, so to speak. Um, so I still expect him to kind of to kind of be the guy, and then backing him up is really interesting because they drafted Isaiah Spiller, who was originally looked at as like okay, he's going to slot in as the RB two. He had a he was having a good camp and then he went down with an ankle injury in the second preseason game that sidelined him for about a week and then he's returned to practice since then uh, but his status for week one is still up in the air there's it, it's still kind of a toss-up whether or not he's gonna play um, and then you factor in the Sony the Sony Michelle addition to the mix and he you know he comes in as a guy that's been a bell cow back in New England last year with the Rams he was a guy that was kind of used on like a committee type basis. So it's like kind of figuring out what exactly his role is going to look like because he comes in where Joshua Kelly had probably one of the better preseasons in camps of all the guys that are kind of like fighting for a spot. So like Joshua Kelly was, was really a bright spot for the chargers. So the team released their, you know, unofficial depth chart and they had uh, Joshua Kelly and uh, Sony Michelle both listed as the RB2. So it's almost <laughs> like a, you know, to be determined type of thing, which makes sense. Like Sony Michelle has only been in the building for a couple of days now. So I, I, I really don't think it's going to be like crystal clear until probably, you know, another week or two once they kind of get into the flow of things. 
So if I'm picking up what you're saying, it's kind of, it seems like uh Spiller with his injury, probably not going to see much action. And it might be Josh Kelly as that guy, guy that gets the second carries and uh, on Sunday. That, that would, that would be, you know, what, what I would expect. Yeah. Just based on, you know, Spiller, even if he's healthy, he's probably not, not going to see a whole lot. And then Sony Michelle, you know, he's been with the team for, you know, about, about a week now. Right. So there, there's, there's a learning curve to be had there. And then, just based on what Kelly did in the preseason, I would expect at least for week one here, um, Kelly's probably the RB two. Gotcha. And I have to say, I absolutely love the 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 game of chess. Austin Eckler's playing like, hey, let's 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 not let <laughs> run me into the ground so I can add a couple extra years and make some extra extra millions on my uh, NFL life. I like it. I like it. <laughs> well, we got to talk about the guys who never get talked about: the offensive line. Max Crosby wreaked havoc against Storm Norton last year in both matchups. Um, is Storm Norton going to be that starting right tackle again? So Storm Norton got beat out um, for the starting right tackle job um, from Trey Pipkin. So both those guys, they were in a camp battle. They were splitting the reps 50-50 uh, during, you know, the team period drills of training camp and then um, into the preseason. And so Trey Pipkins uh, won the job. So he's going to be the guy, you know, trying to slow down that Raiders pass rush, which – you know, the race is probably going to have the advantage there. <laughs> gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's at least good to hear that they'll have a, the advantage on that one side. But um, I think I know the answer to my next question. But Rashawn Slater, obviously, that was a, a hell of a rookie year. I think he ended up being a second-team All-Pro guy. Has he shown any signs of having a sophomore slump? Or is it kind of like the Raiders' offensive line situation where that left side is really solid, but the right side might be a little bit more shaky? Yeah, Slater looked really good, you know, and he said early on in camp that like Khalil Mack was was using some moves on him that Rashawn hadn't even seen before, which was like kind of eye opening could just based on. I mean, Rashawn saw a lot of good pass rushers just playing, you know, um, the, the, just throughout his rookie year last season. And to, to like say that was was like kind of shocking in a way. Um, but then he he's really held his own and the, the Chargers have thrown, you know, a combination of a lot of different guys out of my Mac and um, Bosa there's Kyle Van Noy, you know, all, all, all different guys. And he's, he's looked no different than, than last season. So I, I would expect him to be a pretty similar type of player. Uh, but yeah, kind of, as you alluded to, like the left side of the chargers offensive line is, you know, rock solid. And then the right side is kind of, you know, a wait and see, you know, they, they drafted Zion Johnson in the first round and then uh, Trey Pipkins, who's going to be the right tackle who, you know, across his first three years, he's only had like 10 spot starts, nothing regularly. Um, so that's going to kind of be probably, you know, what the Raiders try, try and exploit um, on Sunday. You mentioned Zion Johnson being the first round pick. How's he looked during tra- his uh, first training camp so far? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I think overall he's looked pretty good. He certainly has his rookie moments like like most players do. Sure. It's tough because like a lot of people are, are like expecting or at, at least hoping for him to just like play how Rashawn Slater did as a rookie. And that is just – that's not typical. Like what yeah. Slater did being named a second-team All-Pro as a rookie is 
is really out of the ordinary. So uh, it's, it's quite apparent that Zion just has like, you know, rare strength. I mean, he's like the biggest offensive lineman on their line and he's just a mammoth, but there has been times where, you know, he does look like a rookie. So I think he's going to come along nicely, but at the same time, you know, he, he, his best football is probably towards the end of his rookie season than, than what it is right now. So again, that, that right side of that offensive line is going to kind of be, you know, a, a wait and see type of game. Makes sense. Well, let's start off the defensive talk by going over the D-line, which has kind of been really tooled in the offseason. The Chargers brought in Khalil Mack, Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox. So what are your first impressions of the guys that are the, the new guys in the trenches? Yeah, um, Sebastian Joseph Day, man, he's really came in and be, been like a, a vocal leader. And, you know, from covering last year uh, when he was with the Rams, he was a guy that looked good, but then he missed the majority of last season with an injury. So I really didn't get like a, you know, a, a big extensive look at him, but he, he kind of looks like a little bit of a different player now with the Chargers and what he's been able to do. And reuniting with Brandon Staley, who was his defensive coordinator, um, mm-hmm. his first couple of years with the Rams. So that that's that's been, you know, kind of an evolving thing. And then Austin Johnson is just a, a big body in the middle that, you know, his his best traits are what he can do in, st- in stopping the run. So that was the Chargers Achilles heel last season. So kind of, you know, bringing in these, these two guys, the interior spots has been, um, you know, something that it, it's tough to tell in camp because they're not, you know, tackling ball carriers to the ground True. by any means and all the starters – Uh, didn't play in the preseason but just based on what you can kind of go off of it looks like they're going to be much better um, at least from the interior spots how have you seen or just how do you think Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack will kind of complement each other probably the the best pass rushing duo in the league Um, Khalil you know he's all the Raiders fans know what Khalil is capable of, but at the same time, like health is the only question mark around him because last season he only played about a third of the year, but when he did play, he, I think he was averaging about a sack a game in, in the games that he did play. So clearly he's, he's still capable. It just really comes down to, can he, can he stay healthy? So, but Khalil and Joey, they've really just, like every time you look around, even if they're not on the field, in, you know, in let's just say like this, the second unit is out there. They're constantly like working and just like kind of like bouncing ideas off of each other. You know, you can see them kind of going through the motions of like the, their hand usage and stuff like that. So they seem to really be sharing ideas. And they've said like they, um, they, they study film in, in, in different type of ways. So they've been like kind of collaborating on that effort and watching uh, different pass rushers across the league. Um, they specifically mentioned like Miles Garrett and and Joey's brother Nick. So like they they've just been kind of you know that tandem that is just really uh, seems to be hitting it off. So I think that I think they're bound for some pretty big things this year. So from more of a strategy standpoint, one of the things that I'm worried about that I I'm sure Brand Staley's been cooking up is like we we're just talking about the left side of the Raiders' offensive line is pretty solid with. Colton Miller and John Simpson, who I think's had a good camp. And the right side is shaky with Lester Cotton, who's been up and down during training camp. And then the whole right tackle debacle, which I don't need to remind you about. So one of my fears is that the Chargers are going to put Bosa and Mac on the same side and, you know, run line games and twist. I'm curious if you've seen that at all in training camp at all, just to kind of give us a little bit of a, I guess, a little anticipation so that we can at least, at least have, see that coming a little bit and, uh, and be forewarned. 
I, to my knowledge, I haven't seen, I haven't seen that where they're stat, where they're stacking one side with, with their top, you know, their top two pass rushers, but who knows, maybe, maybe that's something that that's in the game plan this week. Um, but I, I think it could be something where they go with um, kind of like a, their, 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 their smaller personnel. Like they have Morgan Fox as one of their guys coming off the bench who had, was a starter last year in Carolina started with the Rams the year before, and he's played both. The, the edge and the interior spot. So it could be something where they, they bring him onto the field uh, to kind of add somebody to throw somebody in there that kind of has a little more like pass rush juice from one of the interior spots. But, you know, I, I want to say that like Bosa has been used, you know, inside like periodically when they're trying to kind of go out go after a matchup like that. Um, but I, it hasn't been something that has really stood out or that I can recall seeing um, in camp. Gotcha. Well, I tell you what, I like to hear that, and hopefully uh, I don't get surprised on Sunday. Well, moving back level to the <clears> linebackers, Drew Tranquil kind of had a breakout season in 2021. Can you talk about what he's bringing to L.A.'s defense? Yeah, Drew's a guy, like, he's not the flashiest, but he just seems, like, really fundamentally sound. Um, so he's 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 been wearing the green dot at times um, d- during camp, um, and he just – he, he just seems to kind of be that guy that's, you know, in the right spot for the most part at the right time. Um, he, he's kind of one of those guys that's the, the vocal leader um, as well. It, it's, it's almost like Sebastian Joseph Day on, on, the, on the defensive line, Drew Tranquil, and then Derwin on the back end have kind of been the guys that are, you know, conducting traffic, so to speak. So I think Drew's, he's, he's got a really, you know, sharp, sharp football IQ and, He's just that guy that's um, really – I just think he's really fundamentally sound. I also want to talk to the guy, to the, about the guy next to Tranquil, which is Kenneth Murray. I feel like people are starting to realize that he might not be the same player that people were expecting to be coming out of Oklahoma. So I'm curious if he's showing signs of turning the corner or is he still kind of struggling a little bit? Kenneth's kind of – it's kind of difficult to figure out uh, just yet because he just returns uh, to practice about a week ago. Um, so he had off-season ankle surgery – um, and kind of kind of late into the offseason after, you know, rehabbing it didn't um, fit, fix the issue. So he's only been out there for about a week. Um, I would say he, he looks – I mean, he looks pretty fast. And like, like you'd mentioned, maybe he's not the prospect that people thought. Based on production, yeah, like he, he hasn't been the guy that I'm sure the Chargers thought they were getting when they drafted him. But yeah, he, he looks like, like – when you, when you look at the guy physically, he looks like a first-round player. Um, and he's, I, I thought he, he's looked like pretty fast and, and stuff, but I, I don't think he's going to be, he, he's certainly not going to be a starter. Um, and it's kind of difficult to figure out where he stacks up in the pecking order. Cause right now, Drew Tranquil and Kyle Van Noy are slotted in as the two starting inside linebackers. And then they brought over Troy Reader from the Rams. Who's another guy that follows the footsteps of he's already played in Brandon Staley's scheme. So he's kind of, you know, ahead of some of the other newcomers. And then with Kenneth Murray, you know, missing pretty much the majority of training camp, they're going to have to ramp him back up. So I I wouldn't expect if Murray plays at all, I wouldn't expect he's going to really see much of the field. So it sounds like, uh, I think you kind of answered this quote already. It sounds like it's going to be Tranquil and Kyle Van Noy as the two inside backers, as I know Staley likes to run a lot of of nickel. Yeah, yeah, pretty. Yeah, they're gonna probably run pretty close to exclusively the nickel, um, and those two guys would be the inside backers. Gotcha. 
All right, well, we'll start to wrap out up, up here with the uh, defensive backs. And I want to start with the big money man, Derwin James. Now, he did kind of the new age thing where he, quote unquote, held in, meaning he was there in training camp getting mental wraps, but not actually practicing. From what you could tell, how bought in was he during camp? Was he out there coaching up the young guys and noticeably staying engaged to get those, quote unquote, mental reps? He was, uh, you know, this is my first time kind of observing that hold in type of exper experiment, but at least the, the way I, I, I was viewing it was it probably couldn't have been any gone any smoother other than how it lingered on like him being there. He, he was, he was constantly, you know, screaming and yelling from the sideline, cheering on his guys, you know, pulling some of the young guys to the side and, and giving them some pointers. Uh, he, he was really engaged and, Brandon Saley said, you know, he was pretty much doing everything other than practice. Like he's was in on all the workouts, all the meetings. So it's not like, you know, that the old strategy, the holdout situation where you're, you're missing a bunch of stuff. The only thing that he was missing was, you know, the, the reps during the, the team period, some of the individual stuff. Um, but he's back now. And, you know, he, his first like full day of practice where he was working in the team period stuff, he came up with uh, like what would have been a sack and an interception. So he kind of like, <laughs> he stepped right back in, in a big way. Yeah. So, well, I tell you what, I'm not happy to hear that, but uh, good. Uh, that is good for Derwin, Derwin over there. Um, the other big storyline from the Chargers secondary is JC Jackson. Another one, another big free agent signing, uh, but he got injured during camp and will likely miss week one. I guess I have a two part question here for you. Do you think Jackson will be playing this week? And if not, who's replacing him? I had to say right now, I would, I would, I'm of the assumption that he probably doesn't play, but there's still a lot that, that can be, you know, there's still a lot to figure out until then. So it's been exactly two weeks since his surgery and the time frame for return uh, that the chargers gave was two to four weeks. And it's not a structure a structural issue. So they're just waiting for the wound to heal. It's not like they're waiting for, you know, like a broken bone or anything like that. So it's, it's, it's all how quick the wound heals. He's currently in a walking boot. Brand Saley said he's been um, involved in some of the workouts. I would assume that means like kind of just like lifting weights and stuff uh, since he is in that boot. Uh, so he on now on Monday, he was not, he was nowhere to be seen during the viewing portion of practice. So, you know, that's, that's something. <laughs> um, sure. So it, it's still kind of a wait and see, but I would say right now he's, he's probably not playing. And so that, that'll put Asante Samuel Jr., and Michael Davis on the outside, and then Bryce Callahan will be playing on the inside. I'm curious if you noticed a big drop-off in the defense, or especially in the secondary, when Jackson went down and hasn't been practicing. I mean, I guess it's tough to say there, there wasn't a drop-off, right? Because just everything that he kind of demands, just his presence and ability out there. But I wouldn't say it was like overly drastic where all of a sudden, you know, he's not out there and then the defense is just getting torched. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say th that was the case either, but nonetheless, especially like what, if he's not out there on Sunday, uh, that, that there, that's, that's a, right. that's a big deal when you, the Raiders are throwing Devontae Adams out there. So, you know, that, that's kind of, that's that, I think that there's a big, there's a case to be made where if he's not out there, like the, the vision of how this game can unfold could look dramatically different. I mean, definitely. I mean, you anytime you lose a, a starter, especially a starting corner, it can be a big one, especially when that guy's making the like $20 million or whatever, and they that's what they just gave him. So I can see where you're coming yeah. from on there. And at the same time, like 
So the Chargers are pretty deep at corner because, you know, if JC doesn't play, their two starters are Asante Samuel Jr. and Michael Davis. Those were their two outside starting corners last season. So it's not like they're they're putting out there a rookie or a guy that with just very minimal starting experience, like both these guys have played a lot of meaningful games throughout their careers. Gotcha. Well, awesome, Nick. Thank you again for coming on. And I did want to end things on more of a personal question. I know you grew up in SoCal, but the Rams didn't move there until a few years ago. No one really cared about the Chargers in San Diego. So I'm curious, man, uh, who was your favorite NFL team growing up? <laughs> so obviously I grew up following the Raiders, uh, but just from, from doing this, from covering the NFL, like my rooting interests really have kind of just like, let me put it to you this way, Matt. This weekend, if we can just get a game that looks just how that, – that's as dramatic as the Week 18 game and everything that, that that included, that would be perfectly fine by me. Like, I'm all for this game going all the way down to the wire. And as you know, like, from watching all these AFC West games, they all usually come down to about one possession. So I'm down for – down for the ultimate dramatic fashion, and I, I think that's probably how it's going to come down. So you've gone full Big J on me. You're just rooting for the storyline now? Yes, I've gone full Big J on you. <laughs> awesome, man. Thanks again for coming on. Before you go, any good Raider fan needs to keep up with keep tabs on the enemy and know what's going on with the other teams at AFC West. So where can the good people of Raider Nation find you, Nick? You find me on Twitter at... Nick Cothrell, and then all my work is on uh, chargerreport.com, part of the Sports Illustrated uh, Media Network. Awesome. You guys know where to find me on Twitter, Adam Holder95. Make sure to follow Silver and Black Pride. Rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next week, guys.